Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn, if you would, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 in your Bibles. Appreciate the message and music this morning and the work that the guys put into practicing and Leah playing. John chapter 15 in your Bibles. You know, all around the disciples at this stage in their lives, it felt like sinking sand. Everything was falling away around them. Uh, their aspirations were uh, caving in. Um, Jesus was going to leave them. They couldn't go with him. There was going to be separation. Everything they had hoped for, none of it was coming true. And um, I imagine they were wondering at times during this these, these hours as Jesus was talking to them, I think their minds must have been racing. I think they had all kinds of questions. And uh, many of those questions were not being answered. Uh, Jesus was answering. He was giving answers. And if they would listen to him and they would take him at his word, um, they would experience everything beyond everything they could have ever imagined, and they did. Uh, it was not a straight line between two points, though, to get there. Uh, Peter was going to deny Jesus uh, this very night. Um, the disciples were going to go and hide, and we don't blame them for that. They felt their lives were in danger. There were so many unknowns, and maybe where you're at this morning, you feel like all around your life is sinking sand, and... Uh, I praise the Lord for that song in the sense reminding us that we have the word of God and not just the written word of God, but we have the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so no matter where we may be at in our personal walk with the Lord, um, we have uh, something that is not sinking sand. He is the rock, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So. I might ask you this question. We looked at the beginning part of chapter 15 here last week about abiding in Christ. Um, how would you say you are doing when it comes to abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, do you find, are you, are you abiding in him? Are you enjoying some of the fruit uh, that comes from abiding in Christ? Are you enjoying that peace and joy? Are you, in, are you enjoying hope? That doesn't mean that there are never times of doubt. It doesn't mean that there are, there are never times of question. You're a human being, aren't you? Right? You have flesh, don't you? All right, so we do. The answer is yes to that. Um, but how are, you, how are we doing when it comes to abiding in the Lord? You know, I think it would be a wonderful goal this year for you and for me to put an emphasis, a focus in our and for this year, even, it ought to be more than that, but it could be for this year. Uh, Lord, help me to abide in you. Help me to know what it is to abide in you. Help me to do it on a daily basis. Help me to do it moment by moment. Help me to do it. Help me to abide in you when when things are going well. And uh, and then, Lord, but help me to abide in you when things are not going well. Um, Lord, help me to abide in you. It's becoming a prayer of mine. You know, these men, these men had been asking Jesus where, where he was going to go, and, and they are telling him, of course, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get where you're going. Uh, they're asking, Lord, give us just a glimpse of God. Give us a glimpse of the Father, and we'll believe you. You just give us this glimpse. They're wondering why, Lord, are you show, revealing these things to us, but you're not re revealing yourself to the whole world. There are all these questions, and, um, and Jesus was giving them answers, sound answers, answers that would sustain them, answers that would build up faith, that would sustain them through the most difficult uh, storms of life. Um, and, and maybe you and I ask questions like they were asking, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand I don't understand your plan, Lord. What What is your plan? Or how is this all going to work out? Am I going to make it through this? Why does it have to be this way? Why can't it? Why couldn't it be some some other way? And and how can I possibly make it through this? Now remember, Jesus had taught them in John chapter fourteen 
that he was leaving them, but he was going to prepare a place for them that they could be together uh, again someday. Um, That's reassuring for some of you in this room who have lost a spouse. That's reassuring to be able to be with them again someday. But at the same time, it's never, at least for the disciples, it's never... You know, what does that mean? What does that look like? I don't have what I, I'm going to lose what I, I've had. I'm going to lose what, I, what we've enjoyed. And, and these are the thoughts they would have been having. He taught them that he was going to send his comforter, and he himself was going to come again to them along with the Father, and that the Trinity was actually going to take up residence in their lives. And these, are, of course, are wonderful biblical theological truths, but how, how are they going to be able to make it through all of this? And when we come to chapter 15, he gives them some very, very practical truths and um, an illustration. And an illustration that these men would have understood. Look at John 15 in verse number one. It says this, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, and those always go together. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus said, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Now we're going to talk about what fruit is. Sometimes uh, believers tend to think of fruit as only being leading someone who is unsaved to the Lord. Certainly that would be fruit. But you know that fruit is actually peace. Fruit is actually righteousness and holiness. Fruit that God, uh, that we can bear in our lives, that God nourishes and produces through us could be joy Um, sometimes we we only think one-dimensionally, but there's a lot of fruit that God wants to produce in your life and in mine. And uh, and he says it here, he that abideth in me and I in him, verse 5, the middle part, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, he says, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, and continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, let's pray, and then I have a couple of questions for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us, I pray. I believe with all of my heart that the evil one is trying to hinder this truth, and us from hearing it, and us from understanding it, and us from pursuing it, seeking it, seeking to experience it in our own lives. Father, I believe I'm speaking to a a large group of people this morning, we're very busy. Our lives are ordered and scheduled. We have lots of responsibilities. I feel to a certain degree, Lord, we're just kind of going through the motions. We have our standards. We have our convictions. We have our character traits and our way of living life. And we're just kind of going through the motions. Lord, in some way, and maybe it's just this time of year, I think there's an air of discouragement, maybe of weariness, maybe even hopelessness on the part of some. Father, I pray that we would get a hold of this truth, because truly, this truth changes everything. Father, may we not just go through the motions, but I pray that we would learn to abide in you. And Father, we know from this passage, if we will, you will abide in us by your Son, and that you will produce much fruit. Lord, we long for this. 
We ask for it. So teach us, I pray, by your word and your spirit, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, do you feel that you're just going through the motions? Did you find this year, and maybe I've talked to several uh, individuals, and it was kind of like the end of 2019. You know, it kind of ramps up at the end of 2000, at the end of every year. You know, and you, you we, we've got uh, Christmas comes, you know, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas comes, and you have your family gathering, and then there's New Year's Eve, and there are all these exciting things. And then it almost is like... It, you know, for some people, there's a reset and there's a refocus and there's some goals that are set forth. And, and maybe you're that kind of a person. You, you launched 2020 with some goals and some enthusiasm and some anticipation of things you were going to accomplish and things that God was going to do in your life. Um, but maybe this year, maybe this year, as those who have talked to me, stated to me, just kind of uh, 2019 came to a climax at the end of the year, and then it was deep breath, just here we go again. It was like the year just grabbed them and dragged them into it, back to work, back to the busy schedule, and <laughs> and for some it even looks like a long year. You know, it's just overwhelming. We're, not even, we're just going through the motions, caught up in the the disciplines of everyday life. Disciplines are great. But I, I would encourage you with this. Sometimes in our lives there are wonderful times of fruit bearing where we see there are, there are what we might call exciting things happening. And other times in our lives there are the daily disciplines that may seem mundane but are absolutely imperative to living a life that is successful and fruitful. Don't be weary in doing what is right. I want to encourage you with that. Don't be weary in doing what is right. And I know the leaves aren't on the trees. We do have some snow. That's probably going to go away soon. But can I encourage you, as we, as we leave this place today, and we go throughout the remainder of this winter, can you make it a goal, a personal goal of yours? Lord, whether there's leaves on the trees or snow on the ground or mud, or whether I'm having a great day and I feel like it emotionally, or I'm having a bad day emotionally, or a bad day because there are bad things happening in my life from without, Lord, would you help me to abide in you? And I encourage you to take that today and go home with that and think about it and pray about it and read back through this passage. I don't know where you're at in 2020. I don't know if you're excited I don't know if there's a lot of enthusiasm, you're just percolating with enthusiasm. You can't seem to hold yourself back, you know. I don't see anybody like that here this morning. I'm concerned for you. You and I, and I include myself in this, we need to abide in the Lord. Now, what does it mean to abide? Well, I'm not going to go back through everything, but to abide means to stay, as in a given place, in the right place. In a relationship, a right relationship with the Lord. It means to continue there, to dwell there. I talked about, has the idea of to settle down, to nestle down in that place. And to trust the Lord, that he is going to sustain you. That he's going to encourage you, that he's going to comfort you, that he's going to be there to help you. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you see his hand working or not. Sometimes we can, we can look back and we can see very clearly God's hand was at work in my life during that time. What an amazing time. But you know what? Sometimes when we're right in the middle of it, we don't see anything at all. Just the next obstacle or the emotional hurt or the hopelessness that can actually well up within a person. So abide, tarry there, stay there, remain there. Now, Jesus, as he's teaching the, this truth to these brokenhearted disenchanted, disappointed men. Um, <laughs> their lives weren't going the way they wanted them to go. Okay, no, Nothing was working out the way they thought it should work out. And Jesus says he's trying to help them understand what it is they need to do so that they can bring glory to God and so that they can 
go through this and endure this and overcome this very difficult time in their lives. He's giving them an illustration, and they're walking through uh, out of Jerusalem, down out of Jerusalem. It's dark. There would have been vineyards all around. And in these final moments of his time with them, he's telling them, don't just try me out. Don't just give me a chance. You've given me three years, and now you're going to walk away. Or don't just see what it might be like. And reevaluate. Judas did that, didn't he? He reevaluated and he said, You know what? I've believed, this was his conclusion, I've believed the Lord, I believe Jesus in vain. I would be better off going my own way and doing my own thing and forsaking him, even to the point of betraying him for some money. I'd be better off doing that than to stay the course with Jesus. That was Judas, not very honorable. And Jesus, Jesus looks at these other, these other 11 men, and he's telling them, don't just uh, see what it's like and then reevaluate. He's teaching them, he's instructing these men and you and me, those that he loves, and he's saying, this is God's plan. This is how you're going to overcome. You need to abide in me. And we noticed last week, that we, we must depend upon Jesus Christ as our source for life. Look again at verse number one, the beginning part. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Different from all the other vines. And we talked about those other vines that the Bible talks about. The nation of Israel being one of those vines, a vine of the past, a vineyard of the past. Um, we, we looked at, we, I mentioned Revel, the book of Revelation where it talks about the vineyard of the world. Um, and, and Jesus says, I'm not like these other vineyards. I am the true vine. Um, and think about this. Jesus is standing here as he's speaking to these men in the middle of this ruined vineyard of Israel, Jerusalem. And so far, uh, Israel has failed um, to accomplish what it is that God had set before them to accomplish. And, G- and Jesus is saying, in effect, to, to his disciples, God has not failed if Israel has failed. And the purposes of God are not abandoned just because things are not going well. And Jesus is saying to them, the one who has created the vine to bring forth fruit for the world is not defeated. He's saying, I am the true vine. You can trust me. You can trust me. Now think of this. It's dark. Jesus is just with 11 men and there are people all around that want him dead. Judas is going to betray him with a kiss this very night. Thousands and thousands upon thousands of people have rejected Jesus, and there is so much hatred around him in the city of Jerusalem. They're going to be screaming out, crucify him, crucify him, the very next day. All other vines are just imitations. They're not the real thing. But we, and Jesus is telling his disciples this, you've been grafted into the true vine. You've been attached to the true vine. And because of that, Jesus Christ is our source. And he's our source of what? What is is Jesus our source of? Well, I wrote down a number of things. We depend upon him for our life, our lives, for eternal life. We depend upon him for strength. Can you depend, can I depend upon Jesus Christ to strengthen me this week, yes or no? Yes, I can. Can I depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ this week to give me peace that passeth all understanding? Yes or no? Can I I depend upon him to help me overcome? Give me satisfaction, give me purpose in life. And and that's why I left it vague intentionally. We, We need to understand that Jesus is the vine and he's the only true vine. And he is our source. He's our source for wisdom. You say, I don't know what to do in this situation. Then you know what? Abide in Christ. I don't do this often enough, but we saw this on Wednesday night in our study. We were looking at just at one of the Bible characters in Nehemiah as he stands before Artaxerxes the king. And Artaxerxes asks him, why are you so sad? And the Bible says that immediately Nehemiah prayed. Now, he had a plan, but immediately he goes to prayer. 
We, you and I, as we, we have men in this room and, and ladies in this room, and we have a lot of responsibilities. We have to make decisions in life. And oftentimes we lack wisdom. Well, abide in the vine and he will abide in you. And we will have the wisdom that we need because he will be our wisdom. Nourishment, courage, patience. I mentioned joy and peace, understanding to be satisfied. The world has no satisfaction. So continue to depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your source of life. And we saw that. We also saw that we need to understand that we cannot do the work of God independent of God. Look at verse 2 again. I'm going to read down through verse number 5. He says this, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, it means to prune, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Do you notice that? A branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide, rest, continue in the vine. And who's the vine? Jesus Christ, a branch, that's us, who are believers, cannot bring forth fruit except it abide in Jesus Christ. You know, some of us, there's a lack of fruitfulness. And I'm not asking you, when's the last time you led someone to Christ? That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, do you have a peace, the peace of God that passeth all understanding that we studied about a few weeks ago that God told his men, I give my peace unto you, not like the world give I unto you. I give you I give you my peace, a peace that goes through the struggle, goes through the toil. There's a steadiness there. It doesn't mean there's always a feeling of elation. But there's an assurance as you go through the, the hardship, that God's will is being done. It's not a hopelessness. And so he's saying a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. He says it just very plainly to all those who are going to learn of him and follow him. In verse 5 he says this, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So if we're going to abide, and I gave the illustration of a marriage, you have a couple, a man and woman, they come together in a marriage and they're united. But if they, it's one thing to have union in a marriage. It's another thing to have communion, fellowship, caring for one another, nurturing one another, loving one another, encouraging one another, cherishing one another. That's a beautiful thing, but that takes Daily devotion, daily love, esteeming the other one better than myself, making personal sacrifices for that other part, the other half of, of our union as a husband and wife. So if we're going to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to understand that there are only branches, that we are only branches, and we need to confess our need for his strength. You know, if we leave this place this morning, we have the attitude, you know what? Um, okay, Jesus is divine. And, and I'm a branch. That's what the pastor says. That's what the passage says. I'm just a branch. And I know the Bible says that uh, Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. If a branch just abides in itself, it, it produces nothing. But you know what? I don't agree with that. I think I can find happiness outside of Jesus. I think I, I, think I can find contentment outside of Christ. I think I can find success outside of the Lord. And we go out this week that way. Oh, we can, uh, we can, we may live through the week and through the year and we may live a long life. God may be gracious to us that way to allow us to live a long life like that. But we will not produce anything of eternal value. You understand? And I understand. And so we need to understand, we need to confess that, you know what, Lord, I'm just a branch. This is, by the way, a wonderful, a wonderfully encouraging truth. Instead of leaving here this morning overwhelmed with things that are taking place in our lives where we lack wisdom or we feel overwhelmed or we ought to leave this this place this morning saying, Lord, I'm just a branch. You told me that I'm just a branch without you. I can do nothing. 
Lord, I am de- I'm going to depend upon you for everything. And some of us might say this, Lord, I, I'm lacking joy. I'm lacking hope. Lord, I'm lacking peace. Lord, I'm lacking in the area of purity. I'm lacking in the area of righteousness. And Lord, you already know this. This isn't new to you. And Lord, I know it now too because I'm just a branch. Some of us have been trying to produce fruit for God apart from the vine. And what disappointment that produces in our hearts and our lives. Don't be disappointed. Don't be discouraged by it. You see, wherever we look at our lives and we see a lack of fruit, fruitfulness, this is one. This is good. This ought to be. This ought to be. There ought to be some elation to some point. Wow! Now I know why I'm struggling so much in this area of my life. I've been trying to do it myself. I haven't been abiding in the Lord. I haven't been trusting in Him. I haven't been settling down and resting in Him. I'm. I'm trying to secure these things for myself and. And, and, and I might even say for God, but I'm trying to do it myself. And, and it's producing fruitlessness. So what does it mean to abide in him? Well, it means to keep in fellowship with Christ. We know that if we live in sin, we break fellowship with him. We, he wants us to keep in fellowship with Christ so that his life and that he can work in us, and that he can work through us to produce fruit. We must yield to the word of God. Look back at verse 3 in chapter 15. He says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You're clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Do you remember how you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? How did you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Someone tell me. You prayed. What was the word I heard just there? By faith. By faith. Colossians talks about that in chapter 2 and verse 6. It says this, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. The very same way you were saved, the very same way you became the possessor of everlasting life, The very same way Jesus Christ took up residence in your life, that was by faith. You took God at his word, you believed what he said, you accepted what he said, you you rested in what he said, and he gave you eternal life. In the very same way you and I received everlasting life, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Colossae, is the very same way you need to keep living. And he doesn't talk about running a race here, he just says walk. Take another step. He goes on to say this in the very next verse, in verse 7, he says this, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Rooted, built up, connected. Connected. You know, we were grafted into the vine by faith. And the way we stay abiding in the vine is by faith, by taking God at his word. So it's very important for us to be in the word of God on a regular basis. Is it very important for us to be reminded of biblical truths? You know when you're discouraged? You know when you're despondent? You know when you're losing hope and you're losing focus and the world seems to be closing in around you? That is not the time to listen to country music. I'm not saying it to be funny. It's not the time to listen to rock and roll music. You were saved by taking God at his word. And the way you continue to abide in Christ is by continuing to take God at his word. If you want your life emotionally to spiral further and further and further out of control, when you feel bad, try to fix the hurt 
with fleshly and worldly things. And it will get worse. It will get much worse. But if you want God to produce joy, to replace despair with hope, If you want his peace, then draw nigh to him. Stay connected to the vine. And and by the way, we all have within ourselves, in our flesh, we have a propensity to pull apart from it. We have a propensity when we feel bad to say, you know what? I just don't feel like going to church. I just need a weekend off away from God's people, and God's word. We don't say it that way, right? I've said to a friend recently, I have no idea where I would be if it were not for gathering faithfully with you as God's people weekly and more than one time a week. I have no idea where I would be. You all have provided accountability for me. And I'm not talking about for me as a pastor. I mean, as a young man growing up, knowing I was going to have to come and gather with you again and look you in your eyes. And again and again and again. And sitting under the teaching and the preaching of the word of God that brought conviction. Has that ever happened in your life? We sit under the teaching of the word of God and it brings conviction sometimes about the very thing that you were thinking about doing. Or struggling with. See, that's the word of God. Everything else is sinking sand. Don't pull apart from it. Don't pull apart from God's people. Run to it. Cleave to it. Hold on to it. And he tells them in verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So trust in the Lord. So uh, what does it mean to abide? Well, we need to yield to the word of God. We, we need to obey Christ because we love him. We saw that in verses 9 and 10. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. We, could, we might ask ourselves the question, if we're asking, well, am I abiding in the Lord? How do I know if I am or not? Well, am I obeying what he has clearly laid out for me? Because Jesus says here, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. You'll be abiding in me, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So is there a special feeling? How do we know if we're abiding or not? Is there a special feeling? Is there this wonderful emotion, this ecstasy that just overwhelms us? Um, Well, no, but there's there are evidences. There's fruit, as we talked about in verse two. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit or much fruit. So there's the Father's pruning, and we're going to see that here this morning. There's answered prayer. Look at verse number 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, there's a unity, there's communion between the believer and Christ. He says, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done to you. And that tells me this. How do I know if I'm abiding in the Lord? Well, there's this. there are signs there's answered prayer. And there's answered prayer because I want what God wants. I'm praying for what he wants to do. I'm surrendered to him. I'm submitted to him. There's a deepening love for Christ and fellow believers. Look at verse number nine. As the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And then look at verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, Jesus says, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There's joy. Back in verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. This is what Jesus wanted for all those who follow him, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. But it's not automatic to abide in the Lord. Now you and I have, we who are saved, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. But do you always say yes to the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? No, that was pretty weak. I'm going to ask you again. Um, Do you always say yes to the Holy Spirit? No. Okay. 
When we say no to the Holy Spirit, we're not abiding in the Lord, not abiding in him. And we lack joy. We don't love our brothers and sisters in Christ the way we should. Life can get pretty miserable. There's a lack of fruit bearing in our lives. Lack of righteousness, lack of joy, a lack of peace, lack of holiness. We can go anywhere we want to go in this world and try to replace the fruit that only God produces with anything else, but nothing will, nothing will compare. Now, I want you to look back to verses 1 and 2 for just a moment. I want you to notice that, thirdly, we need to submit to the will of the Father. We need to submit to the will of the Father or the will of the husbandman, as we see it in verse 1. And, and I want to tell you right up front, the motive of the father as the vintner or the gardener or the keeper of the vineyard, his motive for why he does what he does in your life and in mine, his motive is love. No one loves you or me the way God loves us. No one. No one knows us. The way that God loves knows us. He knows you and he knows me and he loves us anyway. Look back to verse one and two. He says, I am the true vine. That's Jesus. He's the vine. And my father is the husbandman. He's the owner of the vineyard. He takes care of it. Look at verse two. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. It means to prune that it may bring forth more fruit. Look down, if you would, to verse number verse number 8. He says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So, a sign of someone who's a disciple of Jesus is that they bear much fruit. And a person, a believer, who bears much fruit, what does it say there in verse number 8? It brings the Father, what? Glory and honor. Now, how many of us in this room want to bring God honor and glory? How many of us want that? Do your, do your children always bring you honor and glory? No. Mine don't always bring me honor and glory either. There are times when they do bring honor to me. And they make me look good. But there are other times where they don't. Okay. And you know, the same is true for you and for me as the children of God. We don't always bring honor to our Father. We're not always honorable. We don't always bring him glory. He is worthy of glory. He's worthy of honor. But we are not always bringing that to him. But most all of us here would be very quick to say, you know what? I want to bring honor to my Father. Well, one of the ways that we can do that is by bearing much fruit. Well, how do we bear much fruit? Stay connected to the vine. Don't pull away from the vine. Don't pull away from his word. You know, when you're discouraged, or you're, de- you're maybe you're depressed, um, you say, Seth, I'm so depressed, I'm so discouraged, I can't even, I, I mean, I've opened up the Bible, I've tried it, Seth, but you know what, nothing's happening. Okay, well, maybe you're geared a little bit different. There are some people in this room, you're a little discouraged, you can whip out your Bible and flip to the exact passage. Uh, you have a, maybe a few, and you can read those passages, you know them well. And you'll find that it's a great help to you. Others in this room, you're wired a little bit differently. But you know what you could do? You know, this would be very helpful for you. You have some good quality sound music that is biblical. And you know what you'll find? You could use both of these methods, by the way. The Word of God or music that speaks and sings about Bible truths, about who God is. Uh, just within the last couple of weeks... I found myself one particular evening struggling in a couple different ways, and I began to write down different things I knew to be true about God, about his goodness, about his love, about his mercy, about his grace, about his faithfulness to me, about his thoughts toward me are good. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Tell, tell us more. Tell us more about your struggles. I'm a human being. You know that, right? I know that some of you in this room are going through struggles that I've never seen or experienced before. I know that. But every one of us in this room goes through different struggles, genuine, 
literal, difficult trials. And every single one of us in this room are prone to pulling away from the vine. I'm telling you as your pastor, as the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples, whom he loved with all of his heart, he said, you need to abide in me. You must abide in me. You need to abide in me for your sake and for the glory of your Father that you can bear fruit. You can bear fruit. God wants to bear fruit in our lives. So the husbandman, according to this parable, is God the Father. He's the one who cares for the vineyard. He's the one that sees to it that the vineyard actually produces fruit. I have a vineyard on my property. And uh, we've we've lived there for about three years now. And the first year, it it was was hugely overgrown. And I would ride by it in the mower. And every once in a while, when the grapes were there, I could smell them. And I would stop by, grab a handful from my mouth with whatever bugs were there as well, and ride on mowing, you know, and spitting out seeds as I went. That's about the extent of my, uh, my expertise when it comes to caring for a vineyard. But it was so overgrown that, that, that uh, later that year, uh, might have been, I don't remember what time of year it was, but when I had time, I decided, you know, I'm going to cut this thing back, just so overgrown, and then we'll see what will happen. So I got out there with my chainsaw. What else would you use? I mean, it was really overgrown. Chainsaw, a couple other things, and I cut that thing back. And you know what? In the last two years, it has produced not one grape. Any of you have a vineyard you'd like me to come help you with? Now, here's the wonderful truth about this. God the Father is the vintner. Now, does God make mistakes, yes or no? Does your pastor make mistakes? A little quick on the trigger there, Sherry. Yes, he does. How many of you would like to be the vintner, the overseer, the husbandman of God's people, believers, the church? How many of you would like the responsibility of ensuring that that it's just it's impossible, isn't it? That he that there's conviction in our lives where there needs to be and chastening in our lives where there needs to be chastening and they're true, gentle truths that are given to us right on time when we need to hear them and, and hardships brought into our lives because we need those. Hard- How many of us would like to oversee that? No way. And here it is. Jesus is talking to these men. and He's saying the father is the one who's going to see to it that you bear fruit. You remember the parable or, or not the, not, yeah, do you remember the parable of the vineyard I read to you last week? I think it was out of Matthew chapter 21, where Jesus spoke about the wicked husbandmen, speaking about the religious leaders of Israel and Israel being the vineyard. Do you remember that parable that I read to you? And how God had committed the care of the vine of Israel to men. But the whole order of priests and rulers had broken down, and they were so selfish and self-serving and uncaring. And that the caretakers of Israel had killed God's messengers and his own son. And Jesus here is talking to his disciples and he's telling them that the care of the vineyard isn't going to be entrusted to men. The husbandman is not like us. He is God. The husbandman is God. Have you been experiencing some pruning in your life? Has God brought in some really difficult things, or some blessings, maybe some wonderful blessings. You say, Pastor, there's some amazing things happening in my life. They're wonderful. You know who's in charge of that? You know who's doing those things? And he does both of those things to all of us at different times of our lives. It's the vintner. He made you the way you are. He made you the branch that you are. He grafted you to the vine. And he has not left you alone and just said, now do something for me. Do something great. Do something impressive. What's wrong with you shaking the branch? Why aren't you producing? What's the problem? That's not how God, our Heavenly Father, works. You know, in modern vineyards, the vine dresser prunes the branches in two ways. He cuts away dead wood that is diseased or can infect other parts of the vine and, he, and maybe it has insects in it, so he cuts those dead parts away, 
And then he also cuts away living tissue that would divert energy from that branch or from the fruit. Sometimes you and I tend to sprout little things. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a passion for something. Maybe it's a ministry. It's actually taking us away from doing what God wants us to do. Don't fight the husband. He's your heavenly father. You know, the vine dresser, I can't help but notice, is the one who makes these decisions. I'm going to read to you from Hebrews chapter 12 for just a few moments. Because sometimes what our Heavenly Father does in our lives is not easy. I'll read beginning in verse number 5. It says this. He says, And and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint. Don't give up when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, and that can be instructive, it can be corrective. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. If you're not being chastened by the Lord, if your heavenly father is not doing some pruning in your life, then you are not a saved person. Furthermore, we have had fathers after our flesh which corrected us. My dad gave me spankings when I was little. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection? Should we not be in submission unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, our father, He chastens us, he prunes for our own profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, he says this, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. No one likes to go through it. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness and unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, sometimes the vine dresser in modern day vineyards will even cut away whole bunches of grapes so that other branches or other bunches on that branch will grow larger or more succulent. You and I would not do this, would we? Would we cut away fruit? That doesn't make any sense. But our Heavenly Father actually will cut things away on purpose. The pruning is the most important part of the entire process. In modern day vineyards, some vineyards will even invest two or three years in training what they call the primers. They won't put a knife in a guy's hand to go out and prune the vineyard for two or three years. He has to work there so he'll know what to cut and how to cut. Actually, they'll train him on what angle to make the cut. They're not using chainsaws. No wonder my vineyard isn't working. You know, God... Himself, our Heavenly Father, is working hands-on in the vineyard. He is hands-on in your life. There is not a single thing that happens on any day of your life that your Heavenly Father is not actively working in, in your life about to produce fruit. Everything, every conversation, every sickness, every illness, everything that happens, He's working. And we ought to see it that way. And so this year, as we come into this year, there's so many things happening on our church calendar. We got people going to different countries, and we got kids going to camp, and we got couples retreats coming up, and we got ladies' conference happening. Of course, Harvest Fest will come back around, and there are uh, there'll be guest speakers, special meetings, and there are all kinds of things happening on our church calendar. We as individuals have all kinds of things scheduled on our calendars, not to mention all the things that we have to do but all the things that we want to do. And then there are all the things that we don't even know that are going to happen, that they're going to happen, but we don't even know about them yet. But you know this, through all of that, our Heavenly Father is actively a part of it. 
Now, I read to you from Hebrews chapter 12, and he said, no chastisement is, is pleasurable, but is grievous. It's grievous. And Jesus is telling us that we can expect our heaven, our loving heavenly father to do in our lives. What can we expect? We can expect him to prune. We can expect him to cut out the dead wood. We can, we can expect to, him to commit those things to the burning. We can expect him to prune and cleanse the branches that remain so that we're more fruitful. And Jesus is saying this, the care of the vine is in my father's hand. You are your, you are in your father's hand. And he, your heavenly father, and he alone is going to be doing the pruning and he's going to be doing the cleansing, cleansing work in our lives. You know that the greatest judgment God could bring upon a believer is to let us go our own way. How many of us enjoy pruning or chastisement or rebuke or chastening from God? Not a single one of us do. Not a single one of us. What did James say? Count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, trials. That, you got to step that by faith, don't you? Because our response is to pull back from the knife. The sword of the spirit. In the hands of almighty God. The greatest judgment God could bring into our lives is to let us alone. To let us continue in our own way and to have our own way. And it's because God loves us that he prunes us. You say, Pastor Ferguson, I don't know how much more I can go through. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. And our Heavenly Father is never nearer to us than when he is pruning us. Hands on. Cutting away the dead wood that would cause trouble. Cutting away things that are good sometimes and even better so that you and I can have his best. And yes, pruning hurts, but we all need it. And one of the ways our father prunes us is by his word. And he talks about that in verse three. I want I want to end with this thought. and We'll be done. We need to depend upon Christ as our source. We need to understand that we cannot do the work of God independent of God. We need to submit to the will of the husbandman, have thine own way. And we need to praise God for the fruit that he produces in us. Look at verse 2 again. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, he pruneth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit. Fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. That's what, that's what you do if you do your pruning. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. You know, machines and factories produce results. And we're very result oriented in our day. That's true. But a church produces fruit. How many gardeners do we have here? Any farmers, gardeners, we don't have too many. This is a little outside of our way of thinking. You know, we tend to be results-oriented when we ought to be abiding-oriented. But I want to do something for the Lord. But I want my, my marriage to look this way. But I want my financial portfolio to look this way. I want to see some results. If, I, if these things can happen, then, then everything will be fine. You know what? Businesses can be results oriented, but a church ought to be abiding oriented. We as individuals this year ought to be abiding oriented. Maybe some of us are oriented towards a feeling. 
we're, we're sick and tired of a certain feeling, and we can blame it on all kinds of things, but we ought to find our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Abiding in Christ is what actually produces fruit. A church, a local church, is a living organism in which and through which God intends to produce fruit. He intends to produce fruit in our lives individually. He intends to produce fruit through all of us corporately. But notice this, it takes time and cultivation to produce fruit. There are seasons of fruit bearing. When my vine used to produce grapes, they weren't there all year long. There was a season of fruit bearing. And then there would be most of the year where there was no fruit at all. You know, a good crop doesn't come overnight. And we don't produce fruit to please ourselves. Uh, And what are some of the kinds of spiritual fruits that, that are named in the Bible? Romans 1 talks about spiritual fruit when we win others to the Lord. The Bible also talks about fruit as being in holiness and obedience. Romans 6 talks about that. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The Apostle Paul considered giving to be the fruit from a dedicated Christian life in Romans chapter 15. The Bible talks in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, right? Gentleness, meekness, temperance. Good works and service are fruit as we abide in Christ in Colossians chapter 1. And the praise that comes from our hearts. Think about this. The praise that comes from our hearts and our lips. You know, when we sing these hymns, it's not just because we have a service. But we just, and and can I encourage you with this? Don't go through the motions of singing. Don't just go through the motions. Whether you're singing a special music, you're in the choir, or you're sitting in the congregation somewhere singing. Don't go through the motions. Listen to what this verse says. In, In Hebrews 13, it says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We can do that in music. We ought, to, we ought to blow the roof off the place. The praise of our lips to Almighty God who loved us and condescended and gave himself for us, who is faithful to us. Can I ask you this? Do you know him? Has he saved you? Have you experienced his love in your life and his faithfulness to you? Has he ever been unfaithful to you? No, and so we sing to him. We praise his name in music. We praise his name even if we can't sing. We talk about him. I suppose that many of these things can be counterfeited by the flesh. I suppose we can give in the flesh. I suppose we can sing in the flesh. But the deception of not abiding in the Christ, in the vine, and living our lives in the flesh that deception would eventually be detected because genuine spiritual fruit has in it the seeds of reproduction. I don't want for us as a church just to be a church with standards and things that are done decently in order, and, but we're just frankly a, lot, a bunch of fleshly people who gather and go through the motions because the end of that would just be death. No eternal value And frankly, we might be able to pull off a fake for a number of years, but it would come to a crashing halt. You see, man-made results are dead, and they cannot produce spiritual fruit, but spirit-produced fruit will go on reproducing from one life to another. There will be, as we have read in this passage, there will be fruit, there will be more fruit, and there will be much fruit. The true branch united with the vine always bears fruit. And Jesus was teaching these men a primary truth, and that was this. If you will abide in me, I will bear fruit through you. It will happen. You will not be able to hold it back. You will not know exactly what it will look like. You have an idea of what you might be able to accomplish. You have an idea of what you would like to do for the Lord and his glory. But know this, if you will abide in the vine, if you will abide in Christ, if you'll stay connected, 
God will produce fruit through you that you cannot imagine. So are you abiding in Christ or are you looking outside of the vine? I think this is one of the main challenges that we face within America today as Christians. Are we going to abide in Christ or are we going to look outside of the vine? You know, many times we're tempted to look outside of the vine. What are we looking for? Satisfaction? Happiness? Joy? Peace? Outside of the vine? Success? A distraction? Contentment? Outside of the vine? Holiness? Outside of the vine? In and of ourselves? Righteousness? Outside of the vine? But is there any source outside of the vine that can produce better fruit than that which the vine can produce? The answer is no. This world can give flickers of satisfaction. It can get flickers of peace, flickers of joy. But in the end, it gives nothing. You know, all of us, I think we all, right, we've all eaten fruit. We purchased our fruit from the store. We all know that fruit just doesn't appear at the grocer. The process involves planting, cultivating, and watering, and growing, and harvesting, and transporting the fruit to the shelf. The same is true for us in our lives. It's not an overnight thing. I got saved, and you know what? Wow, I was like amazing Christian. Christian Seth, whoa, look at him go. He's just amazing. That's not how it works. Our Heavenly Father, as the gardener, the vintner, is actively working to produce fruit. I'm going to close with an illustration. On May 8, 1984, a missionary by the name of Benjamin Weir, who was a missionary to Lebanon, he was kidnapped at gunpoint by a Shiite, by Shiite Muslims in Beirut. He was in prison for 16 months. On the first night of his imprisonment, one of his abductors commanded him to face the wall and put on a pair of ski goggles with the lenses covered with thick black tape. Weir recounts that everything went dark, and in his mind, the sun had set. He thought he was going to die. He later wrote, quote, In the twilight there came to my mind the hymn, Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. I felt vulnerable, he wrote, helpless and lonely. There are some of you who feel that way here today. Vulnerable. On the verge of collapse. Helpless. Lonely. Then he writes this, then I remembered the promise of Jesus. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And he writes, so I prayed. Think about it. He's vulnerable, helpless, and lonely. I think that could be all of us to differing degrees. He prayed this, quote, Lord, I remember your promise. And I think it applies to me, too. I've done nothing to deserve it, the promise, but I receive it as a free gift. And he says this, I need you. Why would he say that? Well, he understood this passage of Jesus. He understood he was only a branch. He says, I need you. Listen to what he prays for. I need your assurance and guidance to be faithful to you in this situation. Hear what he's praying for? He doesn't pray, get me out of the situation. He says, would you help me to be faithful and true to you as I go through this situation? Teach me what I need to learn. Deliver me from this place and this captivity if it is your will. And if it is not your will to set me free, help me to accept whatever is involved. Show me your gifts and enable me to recognize them as coming from you. Praise be to you, end quote. During the months of his incarceration, Benjamin Weir found hope and joy in the fact that he wasn't simply abiding in captivity. That's where some of us think we are. We're just abiding in a hopeless situation, just in captivity. It's never going to be any, this is just the way that it's going to be. But he found hope and contentment, not that he was simply abiding in captivity, but that he was abiding in the vine. And knowing this, that as he uh, 
continued to abide in the vine, God was producing God-pleasing and God-glorifying fruit through his life. Where are you at this morning? Are you abiding in him? Or are you just going through the motions? And maybe it's the motions of, wow, life is great. Or maybe it's the emotions of, you know what, life is terrible. Life has never been so hard. Maybe it's not terrible, but it's never been so hard. I feel like I'm in captivity. Life is, I'm like in a rat race. I can't slow down. I can't stop. There's no rest. There's no break. It just keeps going. You know what? We're not humanity. People living on the earth is not new. Our situations aren't that unique. And the need is the same as it was for the disciples that it is for us today. And that is, I'm going to abide in Christ. Now, I'm done. And we're going to sing a hymn. We're going to go. Some of us, maybe it's very clear in our minds this morning what it means to abide in Christ. And for some of us, it's pretty vague. But we're leaving here this morning saying, you know what? I need to abide in the Lord. I need to abide in Christ. And our prayer would be this every day. God, help me to abide in you. Help me to abide in you. And he will continue to reveal it to you and to me. And we will obey him. God says he will produce much fruit. Take your hymnals. I want you to open them with me and turn to hymn number 175. 175. Let's all stand to our feet. Hymn number 175. I want us to sing all four verses, okay? Okay. 